Right, hey, thanks for listening to Middle Asian Mediocre. Uh, this is Cash. Yeah, thanks a lot. This is Joel. Was, Joel, Joel is not happy today. What's going on with you, man? I'm just... You're uh, angry. <laughs> angry at these listeners. You came in punching the air? Yep. Kicking. Kicking the air. The air is real hurt around Come here. Come in kicking and screaming. Uh, yeah, this is episode 31. This We're actually... Uh, like, we're doing this weekly. Like this is the first time I think we've done back to back weeks. Back to back in a while. Ever. This is what happens when I don't have a job. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I have a job still. Yeah, I uh, I've been enjoying. This is your really. first week, right? Really, yeah. Like so I'm, right now, you're kind of it's almost like I right, kind of vacationy. Yeah. See, I see how you feel yeah. next week. Oh no, it'll be yeah. Be even better. It won't. No. I got I got to do something next week. Like I've done nothing this week. Ah. Uh. So. Lucky. I don't know what I'm gonna do, but it's kind of hard to get a job hunt in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah, it's a little it's hard to. Weird. Yeah, you gotta you gotta go out there after it. Oh, you, you go in like you got your mask on though, <laughs> and you're trying to like sell yourself. Yeah, you're trying to smile, and they can't see a smile. They think I'm miserable. Yeah, so they, know, they get the real me. Your smile really sells, you know. <laughs> yeah, so. it does. Yeah, it does. That's what's got <laughs> me every job. <laughs> Get that guy with the smile. That's what they call me, smiley guy. Smiley guy. Old smiley. No, uh, yeah, it's... Jobs used to be a lot easier to get, man. Like... Are you more... Maybe you're more selective, too, about what kind of job. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, I mean, you know, job's a job, though. I'd, I'd always said, like, if I lost my job not to get a job at McDonald's, I'd do it. Just, I mean, you gotta, gotta, gotta get some money coming in. Yeah. It's always uh, funny to me. I was thinking about this the other day, like when people ask you, like, "Well, what do you want to do in life?" <laughs> like, you can't give them a real answer. Yeah. Because you gave, if like, anytime you give them a real answer, they're just like, "You need to be more realistic." Yeah, you can't do that. Yeah. So like, they're actually asking you, like, "What do you like? What are you willing to settle for?" Like, you want to be a pro wrestler, and people are like, "No." <laughs> yeah, I should have listened. <laughs> but to those I mean, people. but I mean, what are you gonna do? I should have listened <laughs> to those people. <laughs> yeah, it'd be nice if we could do what we wanted, right? Like, if we could just. I don't even get the know. job we wanted to like. I don't. I don't even care, man. I just, as long as I can make money, like I, I find like I don't know. You're just in it for the money. I you got I, no love I, for the glasses game. I I like glasses. I do. You know, it's it's a fun job. But I mean, I just feel like uh, I should find like my fulfillment from other areas in life. Mm. Like I know some people think you know like if you love what you're doing, you don't work a day. Like I don't care work. I don't mind the work a day. You know. Like, as long as there's something after work or before work. That's what I don't have now. Right. Just crippling loneliness, you know, so that kind of makes work. This is a fun episode already. Well, I mean, you know, you run a lot now. Like, yeah. you kind of, like... Run from the pain. <laughs> right. But you've kind of, like, that's become your thing. Yeah. That's, that's running a, that's and a fun putting thing. in the work. Yeah. I was out late the other night, and I really missed the gym, though. Because mm. that's when I used to go to the gym was late at night, you know, 10 o'clock or so. After oh, yeah. I got the kid down to sleep. Right. We were out doing something. It was like ten thirty, and kind of drove past the gym. I was like, oh, I wish I could just go in there. And I mean, you could, uh, have you ever had a membership for like Anytime Fitness? Nope. Oh well, yeah, I did have uh, Anytime. Not, not Anytime Fitness. Planet uh, Fitness. Fitness. I had Anytime Fitness uh, years ago. My first gym experience. You could do Planet <coughs> Fitness. I think. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's cheap, and so I think it's open twenty four seven. I think it is. It's just a shitty drive. Yeah, I don't like. I don't want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just run. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how we started. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I was just, you know, doing things. Uh, you need a job. 
Is yeah, what we, what I'll, we're I'll find about. something. Yeah. Um, it, it has been nice. Not. I mean, sure, this pays some of the bills, podcasting. <laughs> right. <laughs> but you need just a little bit more. But some of the bills, none of the bills is what you mean there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we put money into it. If you want to <laughs> help us with the bill. podcast. Uh, yeah. I mean, really, this is we do things here for Nothing. I mean, yeah. relatively nothing. Uh, costs are very low. Like, I mean, I put money into the Thanks bunker. a lot, Anchor FM. Yeah, Anchor FM. Actually, <laughs> Anchor.FM has helped a lot with that. Yeah, Because uh, if we still had to host it on SoundCloud and stuff, like, I would not really want to do that right no. now. I wouldn't want to have to pay the money. No. So, but I mean, I've got money invested in the mics, and that's, yeah, that's we, about it. We put some money into Facebook advertisements yeah. and stuff. Yeah. But. So, but, I mean, hey, if you want to uh, help, the best way you can help is uh, on... Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or whatever they call it now, um, iTunes, uh, Spotify, any of those places. Share, uh, like, subscribe, yeah. leave comments, uh, get your friends to listen. Chase people down the park, tackling them. Yeah, and, and just like, grab their, their phone out of their hand yeah, and yeah. pull up the podcast. Yeah. yeah, make them. That'll help us a lot. Thanks. Or you can always go to the anchor.fm backslash middle-aged and mediocre, uh, and there is a... Um, like a donate button on there uh and you can you can donate you can go on there and uh yeah just it's kind of like uh it's support is what it is and you can do a monthly contribution of 99 cents a month 4.99 a month or 9.99 a month uh we're worth it and that just helps us out because we are planning on here before too long starting to try to do some video content yeah uh, for a YouTube channel. Traveling around a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and any money that would go to the sport, it would all go back into the podcast to help with that. Because so, we are we will be picking up some expenses soon if we start doing that. So, But anyways, uh, yeah, you can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Twitter um, Facebook, all those places. MySpace. So, MySpace. Uh, <laughs> Top eight. We should make, I should make a MySpace. Oh, yeah. I, think, I don't even know if you still can. Last I heard Justin Timberlake owned it. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. From, that was years ago. I don't even know if that's still a thing. That's cool. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it became like a... Basically, he came to his house. He's like, hey, you guys want to see my MySpace? Right. It became more of like a music platform, like yeah. a SoundCloud-ish. Okay. I, I think, think I did remember reading something about that. Yeah. But, hey, this is episode 31. 31! Uh, and uh, last week we covered sleep paralysis. Yep. And this week we're going that to be wasn't getting a dream? into that wasn't a dream. Oh wow! Did you have you experienced any weird sleep things since then? Um, just more sleeves being cut off of shirts. You know, <laughs> you are. We're both here right now with sleeveless shirts. Hey man, tis the season. Yeah, I don't. I don't fuck with no sleeves. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't think I have. I don't know. I just I'm awake until I fall asleep, and then I'm awake again. You know. That's how that's, most people. That's really how sleep. it works. That should be a t-shirt. I was awake, and then I wasn't anymore, and then I was. And I was again. <laughs> and I called it a day. Such is life. But this week, we're going to be back uh, to um, a story. And this one does involve a murder. Ooh. Maybe. Maybe. So, it's a little bit of an I need to know right now before we start. <laughs> You're going to have to wait to the end. Ah, oh, fuck. Well, actually not. You're, you're, oh. you're There's going to gonna like, be a murder by the end. You're going to have to wait to like midway through. I'm going to murder you. No. Uh, but yeah, um, unless you got anything else, we can get right into this one. 
if you want to. My microwave died. Your microwave died? Yeah. I didn't even know microwaves died. This one did. I think I've had the same microwave for 15, 20 years This now. microwave had a dial, and it was from Montgomery Ward. Oh, my Ward. God. Yeah, and I, went, I emptied my SpaghettiOs into the bowl, threw it up in the microwave, turned the dial, and pressed the cook button, and it didn't cook. You had to press in a button that said cook, and it didn't cook. And that thing probably weighed like 50 pounds. It was a huge was microwave. Yeah, yeah, I think mine weighs like two pounds. Yeah, so I, I, I threw it away, and I already got a new one. Your neighbors, I, I stopped by here last night, even though I said I couldn't record. So I snuck over here in the n- middle of the night so and got a... the one that robbed my neighbor. <laughs> yeah, I took just a microwave. No, they put a microwave on their porch. They're my friends, and uh, I already have a new one. Yeah. So that's this week's episode, the mystery <laughs> of the of the dead microwave. And mystery solved, guys. And I lost a can of SpaghettiOs, and that's what really haunts me. Like- there were Star Wars SpaghettiOs, too, so like some of them were shaped like... You know, like Kylo Ren and like... Like, I mean, shaped just like Kylo Ren. And like, yeah, and the chick, you know. I and, thought that was Kylo Ren. No, Kylo Ren's the guy that's like Gar- Darth Vader's... Uh, Garth Vader's... Darth Gar- Vader's Darth grandson. Vader. Oh, I... Okay. Yeah, you gotta watch him, bro. No. I'm I just good. like SpaghettiOs, and that's all they had. I don't like SpaghettiOs with meatballs, if you're keeping score at home. Okay. So the only kind they had were Star Wars SpaghettiOs without meatballs, so I bought them. And like people are like, you could have eaten spaghetti. It was cold, but it was beyond the point. Like I was pissed off that my microwave quit on me. Too pissed to eat. Yeah. Like yeah. if I can't quit, my microwave can't quit. Right. So it was dead. I mean, your to microwave me. sounds like it had been around for a while. <laughs> long time. Yeah. Montgomery like, Ward. As long as, yeah. As long as I've been alive, probably that microwave's been alive. I don't remember when Montgomery close. Ward like. I mean, there was a dial. I was thinking about this. Like what? There's not many dials left anymore. Everything's like push button. Yeah, no dials. Like are... washing machines used to have dials, not so much anymore. Do they break? Microwaves had dials. Yeah, I... they had to dial it back. Apparently, on the dials. I actually, uh, where I used to work, the screen printing shop had a dial on the microwave, and I hated it because it was like it's hard to get it. Yeah, like you're between, like you went two and a half minutes or something. You're like, all right, that's, like, um, that's probably it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Probably better that it's gone. I'm glad I got this off my chest, though, yeah. Now I have a nice little sleek black uh, Magic Chef microwave. Mm-hmm. It's all digital and everything. So you're just microwaving everything. I'm probably going to fuck it later tonight. <laughs> it's It's been looking at me in a way that says, Joel, come over here and fuck me. And that's what my old microwave wouldn't do. I think your old microwave <laughs> was just tired. Man. Yeah. I just think it couldn't do it anymore. There was a lot of tension there. No. <laughs> It needed to leave. No, I, I'm not going to fuck my microwave. Well, you heard it here first. <laughs> but toaster? That's like my presidential slogan. <laughs> Gant 2020. I'm not going to fuck my microwave. That's better than what we got now. I think he is going to fuck his microwave. I think if you have to say you're not going to, I'm pretty sure you're going yeah. to. <laughs> no, I'm really not going to. I believe you, man. You. I don't you, even know how you would fuck a microwave. Well, you could. Uh, <laughs> what you, could we you could move that dial. You could, t- you could grab your old one, and pull the dial. Oh out. yeah. Then you're like a necro. Wrap your scrotum around the dial or something. I don't know, man. Can we get the episode? <laughs> yeah, let's get to the episode. This is getting weird. <laughs> I don't know where to go. Uh, mm. Although I feel like that mystery is better than the one I'm. <laughs> hey, if you know how to fuck a microwave, just send get it a in. Get hold of us. Yeah. Don't send videos or pictures though <laughs> until we at least read the description. I, mean, I guess it has a corner on there. You can rub your butt on the corner. What are you even... <laughs> <laughs> they just fucking you. That's hot. You're getting fucked by the microwave <laughs> Well, still. Dude, it's about building relationships. I, think, I mean, you're gay. 
If the microwave's fucking well, you. that's fine. That's, you know. All right. So anyways, <laughs> this is a podcast by just two gay straight guys. <laughs> Middle-aged and Middle-aged and sort of gay. We just explained the name right there. Uh, and this is episode 31. And this is going to be the story of the uh, Circleville letters. Circleville. Circleville. You know, I'm, that's in Ohio. Circleville uh, sometimes referred to as the Circleville Rider. Okay. Circleville letters. So yeah, this is Circleville's in Pickaway County, Ohio. Uh, it's 25 miles south of Columbus. So it's like a little less than 100 miles from us here in Parkersburg. Yeah. Been through it quite a few times. Uh, it's bet. You know what it's best known for? Circles. Is that where circles were invented? That's not. Uh, there, is, there is a interesting thing about circles. Okay. Uh, no, it's best. It's best known for its annual festival, the Circleville Pumpkin Show. Pumpkins are kind of circular, a little bit globular. Yeah. Globular. <laughs> globular. It's been going on since 1903. Wow. Uh, and yeah, when Circleville first uh, became uh, was established, it was actually laid out in a circle. Okay. Like it was uh, the way like they they apparently like they appointed someone to design the city, and this this was like eighteen something, and the person like designed it to where like all the house like it was just circular uh-huh. and it led in like there was like three or four little circular led to the center of town yeah, and then the townspeople decided uh, that it was too like that that was just like. It was a little too cute. Yeah. Like, you know, we get it. We're Circleville. Yeah. That's fine. So they hired somebody. What a bunch of circle jerks. (laughs) So they hired somebody to uh, redesign the town, and they made it more of, like, normal. Yeah. And then, like, right after that, most of the townspeople were, like, like within a few years, most of the townspeople were, like, oh, we probably should have stuck with the original thing. Yeah. Might have given them more of a niche. It was more of a thing they could have done. So, yeah. Um, So it's a small town. It's one of those small towns where everyone knows each other, and uh, everyone likely knows everyone else's business. It was especially this way in the 70s and 80s. Back then, it was likely one of those small towns where doors were left unlocked during the night, and newcomers settled in there to get away from the madness found in bigger cities. Circleville was a quiet uh, little town. Like Mayberry. Like Mayberry. Yeah. It was quiet uh, until it wasn't. And there's not a huge population in Circleville. Uh, I think it's like right around like fourteen thousand, something like that. Uh, back then, it would have been around like eleven thousand. Yeah. So, not a very big city. Uh, in the late seventies, residents of Circleville, Ohio, began receiving anonymous letters postmarked from Columbus with no return address. Letters were seemingly being sent to everyone in town, detailing personal information about the recipient. Oh wow! Recipients and claims that they were being watched. Uh, scandalous accusations were being made by the unknown writer. In many cases, the letters threatened harm, either physical or through the destruction of careers and personal lives. Some contained graphic drawings. (laughs) (laughs) And most uh, most concerning for the recipients of these letters... uh, Hold on. I just hit space bar and ruined my whole thing here. Uh, Most concerning for a lot of the recipients were that many of the accusations in the letters were actually true. Someone knew a lot about other people's business, and they seemed to think of themselves as somewhat of a uh, holier-than-thou... Yeah, like, judging people. ...going to set things right, yeah. Put them on blast. In total, thousands of people in wow. the town of Circleville had been in the firing line of being contacted by this unknown writer. 
Uh, out of everyone in the town targeted by the letters, though, one person in particular seemed to be the main focus of the anonymous sender. In December of 1976, Mary Gillespie, a bus driver for the local school, received a letter addressed specific, specifically to her, written in tall, stretched block capitals that read, Stay away from Massey. Don't lie when questioned about knowing him. I know where you live. I've been observing your house and know you have children. This is no joke. Please take it serious. Everyone concerned has been notified and everything will be over soon. Uh, the writer is referring to Gordon Massey, the superintendent of the school that Mary drove the bus for. They fucking? So Mary hid the letter, ignoring it and keeping it from her husband. That's what I do with most of my mail. If I'm being <laughs> honest, I have a DMV letter at home that's like important notice inside. And I haven't opened it for two months. And you put it right there next to the Little Caesars ad. <laughs> it's just all in the little just, basket. If you don't open it, <laughs> yeah, you never got it. Exactly. Yeah. So good luck tracking me so down. I get it, Mary. <laughs> good <lesby. laughs> Uh Less than a week later, she received a second letter with a similar message. And again, she headed away and proceeded with her life as usual. Then another week passed, and she received a third letter. Received a third letter. This time, the stakes for admitting her alleged infidelity had risen. Had risen. She tried to hide this one as well and still go ahead maintaining that nothing was going on. And then her husband, Ron, received a letter. It read as follows. We must inform you that your wife is having an affair with Mr. Massey. She has chased him until he caught her. Eliminate them both before they eliminate you. Remember, oh. we know where you work and know your red and white truck. Damn. No one can help you. <laughs> Think of your children and their future. Call the school board and report the truth after you finish your investigation. Notify the school board immediately. Again, your life is in danger. So now at this point, uh, Mary cannot ignore the letters and accusations any longer. She denied the affair, assuring Ron that he was the only man in her life. Two weeks later, Ron received a second Ron's letter. Ron's hog's the only one in her pen. <laughs> oh. Ron's hog. <laughs> uh, and the writers seemed like they were running out of patience. Quote, Gillespie, you've had two weeks and done nothing. Admit the truth and inform the school board. If not, I will broadcast it on CBs, posters, signs, and billboards until the truth comes out. The Gillespie shared the letters with Ron's sister and brother-in-law, Karen and Paul Fresher. And since Mary had an idea of who the writer might be, they decided to send their own letters to this person advising him to stop. Uh, so, okay, so this story... There's not a ton of information about it, uh -huh. but the information I've been able to find from a few different sites, um, I used, um, there was like a Reddit thread that talks about it. There was a podcast called the Dark Histories Podcast. Um, there's even the Unsol Unsolved Mysteries. They did an episode about this. Oh, really? Uh, and then I read- I'm a, Robert Stack. There's an episode, or there's an article on medium.com. So, out of all of these different sources I've used- there's, like, different versions of the story. Uh-huh. Um, and I feel like the story on Dark History's podcast, like, I feel like they were just kind of adding their own narratives. Like, they were just... It just seems like they were, like, including information that they just made up to yeah. make the story sound more interesting. But I want to put both accounts here of who they suspected to be the writer. So, one account states that the group came to the conclusion that the mysterious writer was William Massey, the son of Gordon... Uh, the man Mary was allegedly having an affair with. They came to this deduction because a few of the letters were signed with the letter W, 
and they figure that William's motive had been a William starts with W. So Case closed to a lot of people. Yeah. Uh and Could be. so that's the only place I've found that it they it says that they had the letter W. Most yeah. most of it there was no signature or nothing like that. Um, they figured that William's motive had been attempting to protect his mother and his family. There's no information about what type of relationship Mary and Gordon actually had. Uh, like, I don't think it would really protect his mom if the story got out and right. everybody knew like what the right. letters um, threatening. So for them to come to this conclusion, the two would have had to have given William some sort of reason to suspect that they were having an affair. Like they'd had to have been caught or like well they had been like really close to each other at least yeah. like there had been a reason why the kid would have thought or i don't know if he was a kid his son well it can't even be a kid if he's going to columbus the i guess he could take a bus yeah, to columbus yeah. to mail him or something and I, yeah i don't know exactly how that would even like you so i mean you know circleville's not far from columbus so yeah. he could live there he might not be like a young kid he might be teenage late teens or something um it also would imply that william somehow knew the business of a lot of other people in circleville or maybe he had heard about the mysterious letters and was a copycat, just trying to do what he thought best for his mother. It yeah. all sounds like an unlikely theory to me, though. Yeah. Um, the other account that I read stated that Mary suspected a fellow bus driver was behind the letters. David Longberry, told, or Mary told the others, had come onto her and became angry when she rebuffed his advances. I think David makes a much better suspect than William. He would, yeah, he would probably see... And he, some interactions between the principal and Mary and yeah. our superintendent. I mean, or, you know, he just, if it's true that he came on to her and she turned him down, yeah, he could just, you know, who else would he... he I've never been turned down by a woman, <laughs> but I mean, I'm, if I tried to put myself in that position... You would definitely start writing letters. Yeah, I would start writing anonymous. Uh, <laughs> That's a hard, tough word for me to say, anonymous. Anonymous? And I really got to concentrate on it, anonymous letters. Uh, well, it would make more sense, too, that whoever was sending the letters would be, like, some insecure dude yeah. that had felt slighted by everybody. So, like, just some... Again, insecurity is just something that not... isn't something that I really deal in. Like, you understand it, but you just don't... I guess. Real. I guess. Uh, so whatever account is true, if either of those accounts was even true, the group did decide to have Paul Fresher write multiple letters to the suspect, stating that they knew who they were, and insisted that they stop. And just like that, the letter stopped. Wow. They so, listened. Uh, within several week, or when several weeks passed without any new letters, Ron and Mary, along with Ron's family, breathed a collective sigh of relief. It appeared that they had successfully put the fear of God into Mary's tormentor, and whoever it was had gotten the message loud and clear. And then suddenly, large signs started to appear around Ooh. town claiming that Massey and the Gillespie's 12-year-old daughter... So Gordon Massey and the Gillespie's 12-year-old daughter were involved in a sexual relationship. Jesus! The, ex- the escalation of the ferocious attacks terrified the family, and soon Ron was getting up extra early in the morning to drive around town and remove the signs before his daughter spotted them on her way to school. Ah. So not only that, but in recent weeks, Ron had been receiving continued letters, threatening his life and informing them that his pickup truck was being watched and his I movements were followed. Then, on August 19th, 1977, Ron received a phone call while his wife was away on a trip. Whoever called, and whatever they said to Ron, made him angry and compelled him to grab his gun. He told his children he was going to confront the letter writer and drove away in his pickup truck. 
a few shorts, and here's where accounts differ too. Um, one of the accounts stated that within that at the very end of the street, Ron crashed his truck and died. Damn. Um, another account, but that same account's that podcast, and they also put in there that, um, like they put details about what the. Let me find it. Um. They put details about what the caller had said, basically, which uh, there's no way that anybody would know what the caller yeah, said. Yeah, he jumped right in the truck. and Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, so and then the other account says that, like, a while after he left, his truck was found with him inside it dead. Yeah. I think that's more likely. Like, I don't think it was the end of the street. But somewhere along, after he left the house yeah. in a rage, so he, he ends up dead. Drove, uh, he crashed at the end of the street or somewhere around town and was dead behind the wheel. When Sheriff Dwight Radcliffe examined Ron's gun, he realized that a single shot had been fired before the accident, but there was no evidence to suggest anyone had actually been shot at the site, and neither the bullet nor the casing was ever found. Huh. <clears throat> blood tests showed Ron's uh, blood alcohol content was .16, twice over the legal limit. Sheriff Radcliffe... Radcliffe, who originally believed foul play was involved, changed his mind based on the blood alcohol content finding and concluded, concluded that Ron had died as a result of a drunk driving accident. However, the Gillespie family didn't accept Sheriff Radcliffe's conclusion. Ron wasn't a drinker, they said. The man certainly had plenty of reasons to drink, considering the stress the whole family had been under, but that just wasn't what how Ron handled things. Yeah. Uh, Sheriff Radcliffe claimed a person of interest had been grilled about the odd nature in which Ron died, but he passed the polygraph test, so Sheriff Radcliffe dismissed him as a suspect. Ron's smashed pickup truck was disposed of in a junkyard in Ohio very quickly after the accident, thus eliminating any opportunity to study it further. So that's weird. Yeah. Um, like they just... Especially if a gun, if his gun's missing a bullet and... Right. You think you maybe... So, and if he actually was, um, if that was like the actual blood out, al- blood alcohol content and that wasn't just made up, mm-hmm. um, it's weird. Like it comes, comes into question, like, why did he shoot his gun off? Yeah. Like what, ha- what made him shoot his gun? It doesn't seem to have anything to do with the wreck unless he was aiming it out the window yeah. and shot at someone and someone ran him off the road. Like, what was, who was the caller? What did they say? You know. Uh, like, maybe they called and said they were outside his house. So then he grabbed his gun, Ran went out, out, they took off. He yeah. jumped in his truck and followed him. And they ended up running him off the road or something. So Maybe he's like, someone calls, like, I'm fucking your wife right now. Or, yeah, something. Yeah. So, uh, shortly after Ron's death, several Circleville residents began receiving more of the letters. This time accusing Sheriff Radcliffe of covering up the true nature of Ron Gillespie's death. The letters also accused the sheriff of mishandling any investigation and or mishandling an investigation into Pickaway County Coroner Dr. Ray Carroll, who had been accused of sexual abuse by several children. Meanwhile, Mary's sister-in-law Karen and her husband Paul Fresher had separated after Paul discovered his wife was cheating on him. Circleville was a scandalous yeah. town. People in Circleville be getting around. Mm, Circles yeah. are around. I get it. Yep. That's right. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Vaginas are round. Uh, 
Just Boob. let me have this one thing. Boobs around. <laughs> Boobs around. Buttholes. Okay. Hole. It's... Nipples. <laughs> oh, my God. The body is just a bunch of round it circles. Is. Talk about Circleville. He, uh, Paul filed for divorce, gained full custody of the couple's children, and Karen moved out of the house and into a trailer in Mary Gillespie's backyard. Uh, over the that's rock bottom. When you move into a trailer on a relative's property, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's end of days. <laughs> um, over the years, Mary continued to receive the mysterious mailings, which eventually escalated to more posters and signs spread around town. Almost all focused entirely on her alleged affair, and several threatened not only her and Gordon Massey's job stability, but the life of Mary's children too. Referring to Mary's 12-year-old daughter. One spoke of how the writer would put a bullet in her head. Golly! Between 1977 and 1983, Mary received around 39 letters in total. Between when and when again? Uh, 77 and 83. Wow. After and then apparently, I mean, if you're like the way this is worded, uh, everybody else in town kept getting them too. Uh huh. But then the letters, from what I could tell, the letters turned from being about people like. I know, I know, what, you I know what you're doing. Yeah. To uh, basically, all the letters were about this affair and like Sheriff Radcliffe and stuff like that. So, like, it turned from everybody to kind of focusing in on certain people. After six years of this focused harassment and the death of her husband, Mary Gillespie and Gordon Massey finally came clean about an affair that had been happening between the two, though they stated adamantly that the relationship had begun in 1979. After the letters had made their accusations, right. and after Ron's death, they're trying one of those half truths. We're like, we're yeah. gonna talk about it, but we're well, like, and who? You're okay. So you're accused of having an affair with these weird fucking letters. Yeah, your husband kills him, like gets killed somehow because of whoever this is, and you decide like, and somehow you are able to then have the like <laughs> what are you talking about? might as well do it everyone's yeah. talking about it uh, yeah so it doesn't make like it clearly was happening before yeah i would think so at around 3 30 p.m on february the 7th of i think 83 i think um mary was driving her school bus route when she saw a threatening sign attached to a fence post which mentioned her daughter prompting her to pull over and grab it she discovered that a piece of twine had been used to tie the sign to a small card to a, a small cardboard box, which contained a loaded twenty-five caliber pistol. Damn. Since the trigger was also tied to the string, it was a crude booby trap intended to fire the gun at Mary or whoever else tore down the sign, but it never went off. Booby. Um, and then I've read that Mary didn't actually tear the sign down. Instead, she just grabbed the entire box uh -huh. that the sign was on and everything and took it home. And once she got it home, she was, like, opening it, and inside the box where the, the gun was being held in place by like, two big styrofoam blocks. Wow. But then if you pulled the sign, it, it pulled the trigger. Um, so what? however she discovered the gun and everything, she ended up uh, taking it to the police, and they found through the investigation that someone had tried to file off the serial number mm -hmm. on the gun but had done a really shitty job of it. Um, upon investigation, the police found that it belonged to Paul Fresher, her husband, her recently deceased husband, Ron's brother-in-law. Yeah. Uh, so, let me get to... What you trying to hide, Paul? Um, okay. So, while Karen, uh, Paul's ex-wife at this point, who's now living on Mary's property, 
While she was living there, she shared her suspicions that her ex-husband might have been behind the letters, uh, phone calls, and signs. Mary took this information to Sheriff Radcliffe, who called Paul into the station, where he had him try and copy the handwriting in the letters. Come on. He also had Paul write down words and phrases as he spoke them. Then, Sheriff Radcliffe asked Paul to show him where he normally kept his gun. Once in Paul's garage, Paul showed Sheriff Radcliffe where he normally kept his pistol and explained that it had been stolen once before. The two men then went, went to the county courthouse where Paul was arrested and charged with the attempted murder of Mary Gillespie. Uh, that really put a kink in their afternoon. It sounded like a pretty good day up till then. Yeah. Hanging out in the garage, a couple guys. <laughs> a couple dudes talking about guns. breeze, yeah. Um, on October 24th, 1983, Paul Fresher went on trial. While he wasn't charged with writing the letters, they did become crucial pieces of evidence against him. Still, only 39 of the letters were allowed into evidence. A handwriting expert took the stand to tell the jury that the handwriting in the letters matched Paul's. Mary also took the stand and testified that she started to believe the letters were written by Paul after Karen shared her own suspicions with her. Although Paul's boss testified that Paul wasn't at work that day, he still had a solid alibi for most of the day and never took the stand in his own defense. He would go on to kick himself for not testifying, as in the end, he was convicted of attempted murder. Mm. Uh, Years later, he would say, I can't blame the jury because the jury didn't hear all the evidence, but I just couldn't believe it. I was really in shock. Paul received the maximum sentence for the crime, 7 to 25 years. Everyone in Circleville assumed that with Paul behind bars, the frightening letters would stop. But they were wrong. Uh, and apparently, uh, Paul, the ex-wife, Karen, whatever mm-hmm. her name was, she was, like, just super vindictive. I mean, her kid's been taken away from her. Yeah. So, like, she, you know, it's not crazy to think that she would just make that shit up. Yeah. Um, and then the the way that the... Uh, yeah, the handwriting analysis. Like, so apparently the sheriff, uh, he wanted him to try to emulate the writing. He told him so, copy yeah. this as best you can. Yeah, and then he like told him certain things to write down. So it just isn't like a. That's not how you do that. That at the beginning of the episode, yes, what I always wanted to be mm-hmm. handwriting expert. A handwriting I, expert. I swear to God, I've always like I've like I've seen stories that have that. And like I, I don't know what it is about writing. I'll look at people's writing. I'll just, I'll, it always kind of fascinates me a little bit. Well, apparently, if you can get them to just copy it, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, this, this F, the F, the loop on your F is a little big. You like to fuck sheep. <laughs> right, there you go. <laughs> That'd uh, be my analysis for everything. So uh, yeah, but basically, Radcliffe thought that the handwriting was close enough to a match. It was English. And then I found it weird, too, that the letters weren't... So, like, he's being... This whole trial is because of the death threats. Yeah. The attempted murder. And you would think that the letters, like, him being the author of those letters, like, that's what the handwriting sample's for, right? Yeah. But, like, so he was never even accused of that in the trial. Like... It was just about so the they, gun. they leave out, like, a ton of evidence and then still somehow Small conclude... stuff, man. Um... So even though Sheriff Radcliffe told the press that Paul had confessed to writing around 40 to 50 of the letters, Paul denied this and <laughs> said that if he actually made such a confession, why hadn't Radcliffe recorded that? Yeah. Radcliffe. Uh, Paul's fingerprints were not found on the letters, the gun, or the booby, tra- the booby trap. 
A search of Paul's house failed to turn up any more corro- corroborating evidence, such as ammunition for the gun or material. Yeah, paper that matches like the anything. rest of the paper, envelopes, stamps. Uh, Mary Gillespie testified that shortly after the divorce, Paul's ex-wife Karen confided in her that she believed Paul might have been the author of the threatening letters. Paul's response to this was, if Karen really believed I had done this, why did she never mention it in the divorce court? Uh... Even though Paul was not working on the day Mary found the threatening sign and booby trap, he had an alibi witness who placed him at his home between 1230 and 430. The prosecution responded with a surprise rebuttal witness who testified that he saw the sign along Mary's route between 1130 and 12 p.m. that day, but he never notified the police and no other witnesses reported seeing the sign before Mary found it at 330. Uh, Okay, so... Yeah, so with Paul behind bars, everybody in Circleville thinks... He's the guy that wrote the letters. We got him. Everything's good. But they were wrong. Uh, The residents of Circleville and surrounding areas were starting to feel safe with Paul behind bars, but the relief was short-lived. It seemed nothing could stop the anonymous writer from scribbling hate-filled diatribes against the locals. The letters didn't stop. They didn't even slow down. They also grew more bizarre and more disturbing. Uh, Quote journalist Martin Yant... They were being received all over a large area of central Ohio, so a lot of people couldn't understand how Paul Fresher could be mailing these out of prison. Yeah. The new batch of letters included allegations about the prosecutor in the case, Roger Klein. The letter writer also promised to dig up the grave of a deceased baby Jeez. and mail the bones to, to the police if they didn't look into Klein for allegedly playing a role in the murder of a pregnant schoolteacher. Golly. According to the letter writer... Klein had impregnated the teacher and then had her killed. Uh, the prison was just as mystified as everyone else. The staff had done everything they could think of to keep Paul from writing the letters. It's not him. I don't like what. Uh, when checking all of his ingoing and outgoing mail didn't stop the letters, they put him in solitary confinement. Oh, my God. But the letters kept coming. How's he doing it? <laughs> Finally, the prison warden warden concluded that there was no way paul could have been writing the letters <laughs> paul himself let's not rush to any like crazy you know decisions quite yet it only took us a while like, yeah. so then paul himself receives a letter and it says write himself a letter that sneaky bastard fresher now when are you going to believe you aren't getting out of there i told you two years ago when we set them up they stay set up don't you listen at all no one wants you out no one. The joke is on you. Ha ha. Tell no one of this letter. I saw the paper. Great news. Great. The sheriff loved it. Ha ha. Do you believe it now? Do you? Was it Trump? That sounds like a <laughs> Trump quote. It does. Uh, Paul was a model prisoner for seven years, but when he became eligible for parole, the board rejected his request because people were still receiving harassing letters. <laughs> so they still are like, it might be you, though. Uh, it didn't matter that the prison warden had prison warden had concluded it would have been impossible for Paul to send them. It didn't matter that le- the letters were still postmarked from Columbus, even though Paul was in prison in, Le- in uh, Lima. Paul Fresher remained in prison even after a witness came forward to say that approximately 20 minutes before Mary discovered the booby trap sign along the road, another bus driver saw a yellow El Camino parked at the same intersection. Next to the car stood a large man with sandy hair who turned around and acted like he was going to the bathroom when he spotted the bus driver observing him. The man didn't resemble Paul Fresher in any way, 
Yet the police did absolutely nothing to follow up on this tip. Finally, in May 1994, after spending 10 years in prison, Paul was paroled. He maintained his innocence the entire time he was incarcerated and continued to maintain his innocence until his death in 2012 at the age of 70. So this was in May 94 when he gets out. Interestingly, the letters also stopped in 94. Uh, which is weird. Yeah. Um, let me see. Uh, God, ten years of your life for some letters. For well, some shit that yeah. you and probably didn't do. Um, while he was... Uh, so while he was in prison and the letters were still coming, they asked the sheriff uh, like how he's... Doing that, you know? And he just says, oh, I think we got the right man. <coughs> I know what Fresher wants. He's trying to say, look, I'm in prison, but the letters never stopped. Yeah. But he still, he had no... He's up to something, He had no guy. way to, like, state why, how that could have Especially when you're him. in solitary confinement. And- uh, so, Roger Klein, the prosecutor who put Paul behind bars, was investigated based on the allegations that he had gotten a school teacher pregnant and had murdered her to protect his career. According to one account of the Circleville... Le- uh, according to one account of the debacle, the police investigated the allegations and spoke with the parents of the deceased baby that the letter writer threatened to dig up. Though their silence was requested, the couple spoke with an Ohio TV station and confirmed that the allegations were true. The letter writer... Uh, the letter writer did seem to be correct about Pickaway County Coroner Ray Carroll as well. He had been accused of sexually abusing several children, and the letter writer posited that Sheriff Radcliffe had mishandled the case. In December of 93, Dr. Carroll was charged with 12 counts, eight of them allegedly alleging the doctor of gro- uh, gross immorality, sex crimes, corruption of a minor, pornography, obscenity, and indecent exposure. And then remember David Longberry, uh, the co-worker who came on to marry? Mm-hmm, the other bus driver. They, sus- they suspected he might be the uh, Circleville letter writer. In 1999, he forcibly raped an 11-year-old girl God. and became a fugitive on the run. Uh, so, basically, Circleville is the worst place. Yes. There for a while, it had the worst. I don't know how it is now, but... Um, so... Let me see. Let me get to the... Uh, Unknown mysteries part here. Um, it's all unknown, right? So, unsolved mysteries was filming the story while they while they were filming the story. They received a postcard, who which apparently was sent from the letter writer. It read, "Forget Circleville, Ohio. Do nothing to hurt Sheriff Radcliffe. If you come to Ohio, you sickos will pay." From the Circleville writer. And isn't Robert Stack dead now? Yes. Holy <laughs> shit! Uh, they went ahead and aired the episode, November 11th, 1994. Uh, so the writer went from like trying to get Radcliffe in trouble. It, he was all over, he or she, whatever. Yeah. They were all over the place. You now know, they're like trying to, to protect Radcliffe. And now they, and, yeah. So, um, uh, yeah. So, Unsolved Mysteries aired the episode. They went ahead and aired it, yeah. Nothing happened. Uh. Um, so, Martin Yant, who's a journalist, I think I mentioned him earlier. You did. Uh, he 
uh, had he's like a private investigator, <clears throat> and he started like looking at all this on his own. He started privately investigating. There you go. Yeah. Um, he suggested that there were at least three letter writers altogether. I mean, that would make sense. None of whom were Paul. Yeah. He said one was believed to be the son of the superintendent. William. William. Uh, the second was believed to be a co-worker who was infatuated with Mary, that David Longberry. Yeah. The third was believed to be Paul's ex-wife, Karen. Karen. It was believed that the ex-wife's boyfriend was the man seen next to the El Camino on the day that the booby trap was discovered. That big old fat fuck? <laughs> One of her relatives had owned that type of car at the time. Uh, despite the evidence, the police still just maintain that Paul was a Circleville writer. Yeah, they got their man. And then you know the show, Drunk History? Yep. They they did a whole... They did oh, a, really? It's on an episode along with D.B. Cooper and Agatha Christie. Um, and their speculation is that Mary Gillespie herself was behind the letters. Hmm. So, but yeah, Just no one... attention or... Uh, so still, no one knows... Um, who the writer was, if there was more than one writer, or any of that. Uh, I feel like now they could just easily they do some forensic investigation and right. have it solved. But yeah, so that's the story of the Circleville writer and the mysterious letters that started arriving. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I mean, it could be like if so. There's not enough information to know like what was actually who received the letters, what yeah. was said in them. So like I, if you had more of that, I think you'd be like yeah. I'd love to go to Circleville, or like okay, find like a, people. A that book were, of just a copy of all the letters. You know, that like would be great. Uh, it'd be great if you could go and like find the people who receive letters uh-huh. and like get them to tell you what was in those letters, or like at least give you an idea. So like because if somebody knew, so thousands of people got these letters is what I've read. Yeah, that's a lot of fucking people yeah. for somebody to know stuff about. So I just don't know who. So maybe it could be the three, because then you know, they, obviously they would do more people collectively. But ever like all of them were written in the same style. So basically, yeah. if you took if you take like a sheet of paper where the lines are, uh-huh. all of them used two lines. They were all big blocky capital letters. Yeah, that's how all of them were written. So it'd be weird, like so if somebody just started randomly sending these at first, and then other people started using that to send their own. You th- it would be different, kind of. I mean, it had to be a little bit different. Yeah, but then who originally? I don't know how many letters weren't weren't like uh, reported. You know, like if I got a letter saying shit like that, I wouldn't. Right. Yeah, you wouldn't. Yeah. Like that's that's another. Like, like, hey, we know you fuck your microwave. Tell everybody, or we're gonna come kill you. <laughs> and you and did. I, I, you did a little bit ago. <laughs> you told everybody. I did. You followed these letters. letters need to stop. <laughs> so like, so I don't like. Yeah, how do the how does anybody know that thousands of people received these letters? Yeah. That many people came forward thousands. about it? Or did like only a, or did Mary Gillespie receive the letters and other people were like, Oh yeah, I did too. Yeah, yeah that sounds interesting. Yeah. I was also involved in that. I want the attention. Yeah, like thousands is a big number. That's a lot of people. That's ten one hundreds. So So yeah, I don't think that's like I don't I don't know. I don't buy that a lot of people receive the letters. I think it was... It seems really concentrated on the... Mary Gillespie seemed to be... Yeah. So, yeah, I think it was most likely the guy that... Either the guy she revoked uh, could be the son. I think it's the guy... So, what happened to the guy that... Is he still... 
You said he raped a girl in like 2000 something. That was the, uh, yeah, David Longberry. Yeah. Does he ever get caught? Is he... Uh, yeah, they, he went on the run. Um, I don't know. If... But he was on a bus, so they, like he was able, pretty easily spotted, you know. Uh, so let me see. Um, so, yeah, David, Ye- or Martin Yant, the private investigator and journalist, investigated the Circleville letters in 1993 for an article he was writing. Uh, piecing together both contemporary statements made made by him, Yant tells an interesting tale of two parts with two quite different letter writers. In the first, Yant claims that the original letter writer was a man by the name of David Longberry, who worked at a local school and had something of an infatuation for Mary. However, she rebuffed his advances. Yant theorizes that Longberry embarked on the rather epic journey of writing thousands of letters over many years in a jealous rage, justified to himself as a way to get back at Mary. Um, the second half of Yant's conclusion concerns Fresher and his divorce to his ex-wife, Karen, in 1983. In the months prior to his arrest for attempted murder, Paul Fresher was wading through a rather messy divorce. Things were not looking good for Karen, who had been caught by Paul having an affair. She had lost everything in the divorce settlement, including her home. After the divorce, she moved into a trailer. We already know that. Yep. Um... Writing to the parole board in 1993 in support of Fresher's release from pr- release from prison, Yant wrote of Karen, uh, "In my 22 years as a journalist and investigator, I don't think I have ever met an individual so consumed with such irrational hatred for another and a willingness to say anything, no matter how provably false, to defame uh. him." He then goes on to drop the quite heavy bombshell. That related back to the mysterious collar shifting, uh, or the Chevrolet El Camino. Quote, as I related in Columbus Alive, this report placed a man, unlike Paul Fresher, in appearance at the scene of an alleged crime shortly before it occurred. Although I didn't say in the article, the collar and model of the vehicle the man appeared to be driving matched the description of one owned by the brother of Karen. Um, So it really doesn't say what happened to David Longberry. Hopefully he got killed in jail. Something, yeah. Yeah, the last I really read about him is that he uh, went on the run. Yeah. Um, but, so yeah, and then, like, then you go back to like Ron's death. Yeah. Uh, the phone call that led to that, the gun being shot off. We need to go to Circleville. Start tracking down. Yeah, go door to door. Yeah, I'd be very interested to know if there was actually... A bunch of people that got letters. Thousands. I just don't. And there can't be, like, that much drama. I'm, I mean, it's a small town. Like, what was the other drama stuff, yeah. you know? Like, I know you drink the milk straight out of the carton. Like, what kind of town is this? Yeah. If, like, a... Are they all fucking each other? A tenth of the population that lives there is doing some shady shit. Like, yeah, these letters written about. Yeah. So, and then, like, how do you send that many letters without somebody at the post office yeah. being like, it's that guy. He, sends, <laughs> he sent a thousand letters. Like, Unmo- like un- with the, un- you know, like, un- non-return address. Right. Or, you know, not a- didn't have a return address. And- yeah. I feel like this would have been very easy. Like, yeah. it would have been very easy to solve who was doing this. Yeah. Like, with just a little bit of effort. So, I don't know. Maybe instead of, uh, just, just call some people, police. But I still think that Ron... To me, the most likely way that worked out was whoever this was, somebody called her on, said, I'm, I'm outside. Yeah. Uh, what I'm going, I know you're there with your kids. 
Ron grabbed his gun, ran outside. They took off in their car. Ron jumped in his truck, started to follow them, maybe even took a shot. He shot something. Yeah, or he was trying to get his gun, accidentally fired it. Yeah. It made him jerk the wheel. Or the casing. And then, but yeah. then they destroyed the truck. And then they destroyed the truck, yeah. So, like, know. was the sheriff involved somehow? Like, was it the sheriff writing the letters? Like, you know, you're in the position of authority. Now yeah. you start to feel like you... That would give you, like, a, a job to do. Yeah. Like, you're, you know, like you're you, supposed you to be... Work. Something to investigate. And, may, and, you know, you would be in the position to maybe know more about... Yeah. Like, you would hear about things going on with people. Sure. So I don't know. Cops being dirty, though. It's unheard of. I know. It's unheard So yeah. I can't imagine that's it. Blue lives matter. <laughs> the Smurfs matter, okay? Yeah. The post office. I've seen that now. They're saying, like, yeah, blue lives, the post office. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's another. We're, we're living in a wasteland. Yeah, we're not. So, no more postal service soon, probably. Nope. Within a few years. I hope so, no. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Because I'm tired of not opening this stuff. Now I need to go home, go through my mail, see if I got any letters from anybody. Well, so that's... Uh, I was thinking about this the whole time I was writing this. Like, So this happened in late 70s. Uh-huh. Ended in 80... What did it say? 80... Or 94. Yeah. Was when the letters stopped. So that's not long... That's not too long ago. So, uh, hey, if you're listening... And you, <laughs> you are that person. You are the Circleville writer. <laughs> Send us a letter. Send us a letter. Send us an email. Yeah. Is are they using email now? Is that why no letters are being received? Oh yeah. Did the letter stop in '94 because email started. AOL. They just got in a chat room and been chatting. Yeah. So hey, uh, I th- I think our email is like midagedmediocre at gmail dot com. But you can go and find us on Facebook, or you can whatever. Send us a message. Yeah. Let us know you're out there, Circle Write us a letter. We're very interested in knowing who you are, uh. what what happened. Uh, but yeah, we are thinking about doing some video content, and one of the things we were talking about was, so we've covered um, a murder that took place in Quiet Dell, Clarksburg, West Virginia, mm-hmm. near Clarksburg, West Virginia. Um, we thought about maybe going there. Killing some people. Killing some people. Really livening that place back up. Yeah. Get them back in the news. we, we got to start creating our own stories here. Uh, we discussed the Cleveland Torso murders. Yep. Now we've got Circleville, Ohio. Uh, so some of the video content might just be us maybe just going to these places. Yeah, going on a tour. Just, yeah. So we could go to the Pumpkin Festival Oh. when it happens again. Make it make a little fun day out of it. Make a, make a nice Saturday. I'll pack a picnic. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, so we might be doing some of that weird shit. Uh, let us know what you want to see on video content. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> Joel's already got bad. Only fans. I don't like Joel's. I, yeah, only fans. <laughs> pay uh, pay to, pay we'll, to watch us. Uh, we'll rub our beards together. Yeah, that's the whole. I bet we can actually get at least one person. I bet there's somebody out there. Probably not listening to us right now, but there's someone out there like, these two guys got to rub their beers together? Uh, Hold on, let me take my pants off. Pay a dollar to see that. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so we're going to be trying to do some new stuff soon. Uh, There's a random, there's a thing called, there's an app called Randonautica. Yeah. I was telling Joel about earlier. Dead bodies, bunny. Yeah, there's been some weird shit happened from it. You basically... It uses your GPS and like you put in what you're wanting to find, uh, and it'll direct you to a happiness. weird spot. Yeah, just I haven't look, heard anybody just look for happiness. For yet. happiness, man. So we might try that out. Yeah, we'll be bringing you some new content soon, though. Um, I have more time on my hands now, so 
And I don't do shit. So. And I'm not stressed 24-7. Good. So. Uh, Brag. I want to actually. I'm still tra- I'm, I'm stressed like 18-7 yeah. now. It's just not like work stress. Yeah, it's a different kind of stress. Yeah. It's normal. You're my like, normal gonna, stress. I'm going to die alone stress. Yeah, which whatever. Nobody likes me stressed. Right. And like, I'm just a burden to every single person in my entire life stress. Yeah, I don't feel like a burden. I oh, just, really? I you should. Non- I feel non-existent. <laughs> more more okay, so yeah. than a burden. Uh, Okay, yeah. yeah. So your glass is way half empty. Yeah. Yeah, it's broken. <laughs> it's shattered on the floor. I hear you. Uh, it's been a good talk. I think that was an Evanescence song. <laughs> Evanescence, Jesus. Well, we'll try to be back uh, next week. It might be two weeks. You know how we do. That's how we do. You know how it goes around here. Yeah. You can't. You can't keep us scheduled. We're not a calendar. <laughs> We're not. We're not a calendar. Don't. That's a fact. That is the one true thing you've heard on this podcast. Yes. They're not a calendar. Uh, so until then, uh, like and subscribe. Follow us. Uh, leave a comment. Let us know what you think. Um, if you receive one of the letters. Yeah. If you know, if you're in Circleville, Ohio, uh, and you know anything about this, let us know. I want to see a letter. We're only, we're like an hour away, hour and a half away. We can be there. So we can come check it out. Yeah. We'll probably, you know, I do want to actually do that. I want to look into it more. I'd like to do that, That's super interesting to me. So, uh, all right. You got anything else? Stay mediocre, baby. That's all right. Stay, uh, if you're middle-aged, stay there. (laughs) Yeah. Don't age. Uh, So, die? Just, you know, become a vampire. Okay. And uh, stay mediocre. Yeah. Like Joel said. So, until next time, uh, thanks for listening, and we will see you soon. Bye.